Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Everybody, and we welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. As always, your host, Dan Canobio, navigating you through the wild and wonderful sport that we call boxing. Uh, we are now in the latter stages of March, getting closer and closer to the best month of boxing that we've seen in a long time. That is April. But this is how the boxing world works, you know. Uh, you look at the schedule and you say, all right, this weekend, you know, not that many good fights. We'll see how it plays out. You know, and if you listen to my, this show right here, I told you that Mick Conlon versus Lee Wood was going to be one of the 10 best fights of the spring. Didn't know it was going to be end up being the, one of the 10 best fights in the, in the history of boxing or one of the 10 best fights in the last 10 years. Uh, maybe the history of boxing is, is overstating a little bit, but that's how I felt after I watched that fight. Plan on talking about that. Uh, that was the big fight this past weekend. Lee Wood, uh, Hail Mary punch, knocking Mick Conlon out, knocking him out of the ring to retain his WBA featherweight title. That was a big fight this past weekend over on, on the zone. Uh, we have some big fights being announced. Uh, we have some big fights coming up this weekend. Our guest this week on Inside Boxing Live is Showtime Sports President Steven Espinosa. I've been trying to get Steven on the show for a long time, and it just happens to coincide uh, with their big uh, rollout that they put together this week with Showtime Boxing. Some good fights on the schedule. A lot of them we kind of knew about already. They've been leaked out, uh, whether it's from uh, some Coppinger or uh, Jake Donovan or Keith Eidick. Uh, go up and down, whoever your favorite media member is. They leaked out some of these fights, but they were made official. Uh, there was a few uh, surprises on the schedule, but for the most part, we, we, we knew about that. So we'll talk about the upcoming schedule with, with Steven Espinosa. Uh, we'll talk about uh, his Twitter game, uh, because as you know, if you follow Steven Espinosa on Twitter, he lets it fly. You know, he's like one of us on, on Twitter. He's not afraid to mix it up uh, over on the, uh, the good old bird app. Uh, so we'll get into that. We'll get into uh, Jake Paul's uh, contract status and just a really fun uh, behind the scenes look, you know, like uh, what goes on with Al Heyman? How does it work? You know, how does it work buying fights? How does it work when Al Heyman pitches a fight to Espinosa? How does, does, does he always like it? Does he always go in lockstep with Heyman? Do they butt heads? I think that was a really fun uh, part of the interview with Steven Espinosa. So a really fun one this week. I uh, got a great week of boxing coming up. Uh, you know, uh, we got uh, Virgil Ortiz returns. Uh, action against Michael McKinson. Uh, that should uh, promises to be a good one. Obviously, Virgil Ortiz, one of the best young uh, welterweights in boxing right now, climbing the rankings in the WBO. Eventually, he's going to have to see Terrence Crawford. Uh, eventually, he's going to have to see some of these these champs at, at 147. Will he expect uh, Virgil Ortiz to win this fight? Michael McKinson, not really known as a puncher, uh, not really known at all. To be honest, uh, he's coming over from from Matchroom, uh, his first fight in the U.S., and he's taking on uh, a guy in Virgil Ortiz who seems to be getting better every single time he steps into the ring. 
so that that should be some some real firepower. Then also in here in New York City, or as I record this show, uh, going to be heading over to Madison Square Garden this weekend uh, for a top ranked card, uh, headlined by Edgar Belanga, taking on Steve Rolls. It's Edgar Belanga's first fight uh, since he went the distance. Uh, also his first fight since uh, his bicep injury, so he's fully healed. Or was maybe it was a shoulder injury? It was an arm injury for for Berlanga. So he's back headlining. Uh, the, f- the card was supposed to have Keyshawn Davis on it as well. He has an undisclosed illness. He's out. Uh, Xander Zayas is in. Bruce Carrington is in. There's some big names. Uh, I ex- expect it to be buzzing uh, over at the Hulu Theater, the theater inside MSG. Going to be a lot of Puerto Rican fans uh, for Zayas and, uh, and Berlanga. It is a bummer that we're not going to see Keyshawn Davis up close, but he's going to be back. Uh, he'll be back next month, I bet, uh, on a card. Uh, for top rank. So those are the big uh, shows this weekend. Also, we got a Probel McCarr. We've seen Sonny Edwards in action. Uh, we're going to see Parisius Progray in action. The catchweight king is actually fighting at 140 pounds. Last week was a heavy show on the 140 pound division. Some great feedback there on uh, my, my mythical tournament. Uh, I had Regis Progray in the finals of this mythical tournament going up against T. Female Lopez. He's fighting Tyrone McKenna. Uh, this weekend over on Probellum. And I went in depth with this last week. I'm happy for Regis that he's getting these paydays. He made close to a million dollars to fight Red Catch last April. He's making a, a pretty penny uh, to fight on this Probellum card in Dubai. But when it comes down to it, he's almost, uh, he's 33 years old. So is he going to go for it? Is he going to go for a title shot? Is he going to try to get one of these four belts that Josh Taylor is probably going to relinquish? I'm interested to see where Regis Progate's career goes because it's been puzzling to say the least. Uh, you know, he's, he's getting the bag. He's getting a lot of money. That's great, but he's not exactly fighting top guys in his career. I would say as salt, uh, since that very, very close loss to, to Josh Taylor. So that's the fight upcoming fight weekend. We'll get to the showtime rollout here. Uh, we know about most of these fights, Tim Zhu versus Terrell Gaucher. Uh, that's coming up, uh, March 26th. We got Lubin versus Fandora, uh, which is that April 9th stacked day. Ryan Garcia versus to go Lubin versus Fundora. Uh, there's so many fights that day. Uh, Triple G versus Murata. There's also an ESPN card too, headlined by Michaela Mayer and, and Jennifer Hahn. Uh, Spence versus Ugas. Um, we know about that fight for a long time. That's a pay-per-view. But one of the interesting things about that fight on April 16th, Spence versus Ugas, is that Stanonias versus Buteyev is going to be the main event of the prelims, which are going to air on Showtime before the pay-per-view. See, I had thought that Budiev Stanionis was going to be the co-main event for Spence Ugas. That's coming. So you got an all-day buffet on uh, April 16th. And then Charlo Castaño. And then Boots versus Castillo Clayton is the co-main event for Charlo Castaño. That right there has, uh, I mean, you're getting some bang for your buck there. And it's not on pay-per-view. You know, Charlo versus Castaño is on regular showtime. Uh, Castillo Clayton versus uh, Boots Ennis. Also, regular showtime. Love that. Benavidez versus Lemieux. It's whatever. Uh, you know, Lemieux hits hard, so we'll see. Maybe he can push Benavidez, but we want to see Benavidez in, in, in bigger fights. We want to see Benavidez versus Plant. Uh, Tank versus Roly Romero. You know my stance on this. Very indifferent. Uh, I want to see what Tank does next. What is Tank going to do in his December fight? Uh, this Romero fight is easy money for him. It's going to be at the Barclays Center. I'm excited about that as a New Yorker, but, you know, a lot of fans don't care where the fight is. Uh, they just are upset that, it, that it's on, on, a, on a pay-per-view. Stephen Fulton versus Daniel Roman is the one fight that didn't leak out. Uh, there were some rumblings. Love this. I love that Showtime is dedicated to divisions. 154 division, uh, the 122-pound division uh, has been pretty much owned by Showtime. So we're going to see Stephen Fulton defend his title against Daniel Roman, who 
almost should be a champion. Almost, you know, you know close fight to uh, MJ, uh, Akhmedaliev. So we're going to see Fulton versus Roman. And then, of course, the last one. Oof, man, guy, I brought this up to, to Espinosa. I said, you know, flat out, this isn't a good fight. You know, Jamal Charlo versus MJ uh, versus Sulecki. Uh, it's tough. Jamal Charlo has exactly two fights since his win over Derevinchenko, the best win of his career, I thought, which was in October of 2020. Since then, he fought in June last year against Juan Macias Montiel. Didn't look good. And now one year later, June 18th. I, like, I love that he's fighting on June on Juneteenth. It's going to be a raucous crowd. That's great. But we wanted to see him in there versus Munguia. Uh, I will talk to Steven Espinosa about that uh, today. I talked about how you know, we're living in this era where we have four different networks. We essentially have four different leagues. It's great for fans. Uh, you know, we get to watch fight cards around the clock. We get to watch streams from obscure countries. We get to see uh, a top-ranked card on ESPN and a Showtime card, uh, a PBC card, and it is own streaming and all that. It's great. That, that's awesome for us fans. But it rears its ugly head now with this Munguia and, and Charlo uh, fight breaking down. If you don't know, uh, they, the fighters agreed. Uh, Munguia and Charlo agreed to fight. Showtime uh, was paying the freight of this fight, so they wanted it on Showtime. Very standard practice. Golden Boy or uh, Zanfer Promotions, as Munguia has two promoters. He has a lot of managers. They got in the way. They wanted, it to, they wanted the zone to be a part of it. They wanted it to be a joint pay-per-view. So that's, that's interesting to me. The zone who made a whole marketing scheme on not being a pay-per-view wanted a fight to be on pay-per-view and Showtime, which is a traditional pay-per-view outlet, did not want it, wanted it to be on regular TV. Uh, you got all that? Uh, so that's the biggest news of the week is that fight falling apart, but it can be revisited. Uh, that's something we're going to talk about uh, with Steven Espinosa. So a lot of things going on in the boxing world. I think you really enjoyed this interview. Uh, so without further ado, here he is, Showtime Sports President, Steven Espinosa. All right, let's bring in our guest this week here on Inside Boxing Live. If you're a boxing fan, you know the name, you know the voice. Steven Espinoza, the president of Showtime Sports. Showtime just rolled out their spring slash early summer schedule. Some bangers in there, some really good fights. Uh, we'll get to that and and so much more. But, Steven, I appreciate you you taking some time to come on. Uh, I see the Freedom Tower in the background. I love that shot. looks great. How's everything going? Uh, it's great. Great. Pleasure to be with you. It's a nice sunny day in, in New York. Uh, the boxing schedule is heating up. The weather is heating up in New York. As we know, uh, March isn't the biggest month for boxing because of, uh, you know, March Madness. And I know you likened that rollout to a selection Sunday, which kind of did get that vibe a little bit. I had my mm -hmm. bracket out going through that. But, right. uh, you know, boxing schedule heating up. Showtime schedule, I think, is a great complement to what is already a really good boxing schedule. I think that uh, you can make the point that, you know, the ske all schedules need to be strong. It's a good for the sport. It's not just one against the other, all those different platforms. I think if everyone puts out their best product, we're going to get uh, the best overall product, which is ultimately good for the consumer, right? Yeah, and, and I think part of it as well is, um, and, and I'm, I'm saying this really for the good of the sport, not to sort of self-congratulate. I, I really wish like more, um, more networks, more, uh, more promoters would do the work to set, you know, to go a little bit further in the future. I know it, look, as well as anybody, I'm well aware it's a pain. It, it, it is incredibly time consuming and inevitably stuff leaks out. So it never, it never stays a complete secret. But the reality is, I think there's a lot of benefit 
um, you know, chiefly sort of the, the visibility into the sport and a feeling of organization and cohesiveness. And the fact that this isn't just a random collection of fights that pop up once or twice a month, that there's actually, this is a sport. This is, it is organized. You know, these fights do relate to each other and we should give people some visibility and predictability here. Absolutely. Put it all in one place, get everyone to see it. You know, I put together these, I put the schedule out every once in a while, get fans excited on Twitter, you know, get so many hits because fans just want to see it all in one place. You know, they right. want to, they, mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in, in the sports, there's a lot going on in the world. So if you can condense mm-hmm. it, you do a rollout. One of the coolest events uh, I've been to in recent was in 2018, when you guys had your big rollout in New York city, you know, a big red carpet event, you know, we had food, we had all the fighters in, in one place. Obviously that's harder to do with COVID and, it was, I thought it was, that was super impressive to think about it, getting all those fighters in one room. Uh, I was in awe of that. You know, it, somebody circulated the picture again this past week um, when we announced it and it was the first time I looked at it. And I thought, you know, that is an impressive, not just you know, getting all those fighters there with their belts, you know, dressed up. It was an yeah. impressive collection of, you know, of, of really the best of the sport. And uh, who can forget that was the infamous um, Caleb from Barstool was going around. He was asking, <laughs> <laughs> I was set up next to him, Steven. So, you know, he asked Wilder, like, who are you? And Wilder was so angry. And then he went, all these fighters were going from Caleb, who does phenomenal stuff for Barstool. He was going from, they were going from Caleb to me and they were just so angry coming to me. <laughs> so they were either just still angry or they were just very willing to, to be asked like a normal boxing. Right, um, exactly. Yeah, but right. that, was a, that was a good event. But the Showtime rollout, uh, you know, we just had it. We got nine marquee events, 21 undefeated fighters, two world champion unification bouts, seven world championship matches. It starts March 26th with Tim Zhu and Terrell Gauchet. Uh, we got Erickson Lubin on the card. That's going to be a banger. There's a, these, obviously, we love the big ones. We love the Spences. We mm-hmm. love the Ugas. We love Tank Davis. I get excited for those Lubin versus Fondoras or the Stephen Fulton Juniors versus Danny Roman, which, as you just talked about, fights that, you know, did leak out. That was one that didn't really, that didn't really trickle out, but overall great rollout. Uh, your thoughts on, on all that and some of the fights that you're looking forward to, because I know you're a fight fan. Yeah. I mean, the, the reality we were, we were trying to do three things here. Um, number one was uh, roll out a consistent schedule of high quality, even matchups among top tier fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, not just big names, you know, not just, 50-50 fights, but 50-50 fights from elite fighters. You know, that that's one element. The other element is, or the second element is trying to provide quality throughout the card. And that means, um, you know, you're not going to have huge names opening the card, but um, good matchups and meaningful fights. Yeah. And, I mean, and, okay, sorry. Yeah. And then the, the third thing is, is, you know, really, and this is, I think, one of the things that's, that's almost unique to uh, boxing fans. Boxing fans love discovering the the next guy or the next mm-hmm. next guy. um so looking in, in in bringing in the um the yoelvis gomez you know types you know the 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 kevin salgados the um you know the the elvis rodriguez's mm-hmm. um who may not be um household names in in every boxing household but you know this is a preview of some talented young guys who may become something in the future there you shine that light on them, whether it's with Showbox and getting them up the ranks and 
I know Boots Ennis is like no longer that name. But he, he's he's too, he's almost like the the hardcore fan knows him. I had Dame Lillard on the show, and that was his guy. I'm like, he says he loves boxing because he likes to find the next up and coming star. Boots mm-hmm. Ennis, I would say, still in that like maybe on the fringe of becoming like a a future champ, still kind of mm-hmm. unknown. But he is going to be part of the Showtime family uh, for even longer now. That's exciting. Uh, you know, when he fights Castillo Clayton, I, I believe that is May 14th. Correct. That's right. That's, you know, that's almost undoubtedly, even though we don't have the schedule, obviously, for the second half of the year, um, it's hard to get a, It's going to be really hard, probably impossible to top the May 14th card for a Showtime fight yeah. um, with an undisputed 154-pound title fight, the rematch of Jermel Charlo and Castaño, and then the co-feature with Boots Ennis in Castillo Clayton. That's, you know, whatever the third fight is going to be, and we'll work on it. <laughs> that right there, that's our best card of the year on Showtime. Yeah, it is. That's a really, really good card. Castillo Clayton can fight. I covered a bunch of his fights um, on the Broadway boxing um, mm-hmm. circuit. He can fight. Uh, he was a guy who was highly ranked. Uh, I think he's a good litmus test. Uh, I thought he you know, could have beaten Sergey Lipinets. I mean, you saw what, mm-hmm. what Boots did to Lipinets. And yeah, I like that card. Obviously, Charlo and Castaño. That was my top, one of my top three best or favorite fights of 2021 uh, just just i love the fights where it's volume which is castaño <laughs> throws 90 punches around versus power and yeah. charlo throws the least punches around at 154 obviously i'm a stats guy but mm. i i love stuff like that so th- to run that back and for it to be on regular showtime uh in this i know i got a lot of questions from fans we'll get to those in a little bit on what goes on pay-per-view now the zones rolling out pay-per-view this Fox is, is seems hell bent on pay-per-views. The fact that a lot of these fights are going to be on regular showtime uh, is a big plus. Yeah. You know, that, that's it. And look, there, there are certain realities. Um, we don't, we don't really have an incentive. You know, there's, there's not a pot of gold in the rainbow for us as the network on pay-per-view, you know, our bread and butter, our, our, our business is, is, is the showtime subscription. So mm-hmm. our incentive to put as much on showtime as we can, that's not always possible just given the financial realities of what it takes to make some fights happen. Some fights are not going to happen without the money from pay-per-view, but where at all possible, we try to put everything on Showtime um, as much as we can. Now there was one part of the zoom um, rollout that I I missed. There was There's going to be a, I think it's the first that Showtime's doing this in a while or maybe ever uh, is putting some fights on Showtime before a pay-per-view. Can you fill me in on that? Yeah, I, I don't recall that we've done that. We've certainly done some streaming uh, undercard fights. We've done extreme at times. Um, this one was sort of, we, we, we have an embarrassment of riches. You know, we had, uh, I, I don't even want to call them sort of, you know, prelim fights or undercard fights because, you know, that that two fight card, the two fights that we announced there, um, uh, Budiev and Stanionis mm-hmm. and Brandon Lee, Zach Ochoa, um, that's, a, that's a Saturday night championship card. Damn right. Uh, that is, and that we're going to get, you know, that two fight card along with the pay-per-view preview leading into the pay-per-view. Wow. So call it like, you know, 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, um, a really good two fight card on Showtime and on other platforms. And it's simply because we have, uh, you know, those fights deserve to be on TV. Those aren't prelim fights. Those aren't undercard fights. Those are just yeah. high quality fights and high quality fighters. It's the pregame. It's the pregame yep. show. It's like the in college, you, you pregame before you go out. Uh, you pregame yep, with uh, two really good fights. One of them, uh, uh, you know, the, the that Stanonius one in Butiev has a lot of implications too, and of course uh, the other as well. I mean, those that's really good stuff. But uh, 
you know, let's get to the fun questions. Let's get into the questions. Yeah, let's, let's go there. I, I, I saw your social media. I'm ready for the top questions. <laughs> we'll get ahead. to the let's fan questions. Through. I know you love uh-huh. social media. I, I know you're one of the, the rare executives that's you're, – you're in the trenches. You're, you're on social media. I, I want to know what your drafts look like. I see what you send out. What do the drafts look like? <laughs> the drafts are a lot more interesting. Um, and, you know, it, <laughs> Same. It depends on my particular mood. Sometimes there's some ones that go out that probably should have stayed in drafts. Yeah. Um, but the ones that actually stay in drafts, you know, those ones are fire. <laughs> I go through my drafts and I'm like, what was I thinking here? But thank God right. I didn't yeah. send that out. And you don't want to piss <laughs> off too many. You got to walk, especially me. I'm like independent media. I got to walk a tightrope. Right. I want to keep everyone happy. I want to keep every promoter happy. I want to keep every network happy. I want to keep the fans happy, which is, you know, they already made their mind up on me and where I stand is, which is hilarious. But I, I mean, we'll get to the fan questions, but I have a question here. Um, obviously you read the tea leaves here. Fox is going heavy towards uh, pay-per-view. They're doing less and less of these fight nights, which they originally intended to do when they teamed up at the PBC, I believe in late 2018. Um, you're talking about putting fights on before pay-per-views. Obviously, Showtime is a sister network of CBS. Can we potentially see CBS pick up some of the slack here? Is there any discussions with that? Uh, what's the latest with maybe seeing yeah. some, because there's only so many dates that, that Showtime could have. Yeah, that's, um, that's very true. Uh, you know, in, in, in part of the challenge there is, um, you know, CBS as, as the most watched network has a lot of, you know, a really busy, you know, sports schedule and really valuable primetime schedule. So um, those spots are really at a premium. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's tough for me to go to them and be able to say, look, let's, Let's put this on CBS unless it's something, you know, really, really um, high quality, really, really valuable. Because regardless, no matter what time slot it is, it's going to be displacing something which is really valuable uh, to CBS Network. So, you know, I think there are ways around it. There's certainly a lot of platforms between CBS Sports Network and Paramount Plus and Showtime Streaming and, and Showtime. So, you know, the, the good thing is there's been no shortage of support um, from CBS whether it's, you know, in NFL, saw a lot of that for the Canelo fight. Um, we, we've seen a lot of uh, marketing support across the company. So, you know, whether or not we, we put fights on CBS and how frequently we do so, we will get a lot of support from the corporation across all of ICOM. Okay, so there has been thoughts of it. I mean, sure. Okay, that's good. I think five, I think fans, they want to know. They want to know what's next. They, they kind of mm-hmm. see... Uh, like I said, read the tea leaves, see what's going on with Fox and who can pick up the slack in this PBC, uh, you know, umbrella. Because there's a lot of fighters. There's a lot of fighters on that umbrella. I know Al uh, Heyman is, is he's, he's never had a problem finding a network. How about a question? There's a good, there's a good uh, jumping mm-hmm. off point. How much, how do you, how much do you interact with Al Heyman? Give us a fun fact on Al Heyman. I met him once and it was, it was like, I saw Bigfoot. Uh, yeah. Um <laughs> Look, you know, people, uh, you know, multiple times a day is the short answer, you know, multiple calls a day, especially in a, in a process like this, you know, I, I made the analogy during the stream to, um, to, you know, setting up the NCAA tournament bracket. And I was mm-hmm. half joking, but it's a little bit like that. It's a lot of mix and match of this fighter and that fighter and this date and, you know, this venue and, you know, that fighter, you know, isn't available. This venue isn't available. So it's a, it is a really time consuming process, which, you know, some days we're, we're talking probably 10 or 12 times a day. Wow. Um, 
but you know he grew up in a um you know grew up sort of business-wise in 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 the music business and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are maybe a lot there's a certain segment of of the boxing that is suspicious of him because he isn't front and center and he doesn't do interviews and he doesn't speak regularly and and that is is nothing other than sort of how uh, he was sort of indoctrinated into the industry by his own mentors and in the music industry you know he's he's explained to me look um the promoter the representative the manager they're they're never the story they never should be the story because every drop of ink that is written about a manager or a promoter or a, you know an advisor is ink that that could have gone to the artist you know so it's 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 an old school it's a refreshing attitude and you're saying like look don't write about me don't talk about me talk about talk about the fighters I, know, those, I, those are the guys you should be focusing on yeah yeah for sure and there there are pros and cons to being not being in the forefront and, and not uh you know staying in the back there are a lot of promoters that like to be all up in the videos like <laughs> to, to quote a, a famous moment uh yeah but uh it's interesting i get asked about him a lot uh al Heyman, mm-hmm. and uh, he's an interesting character I, I love to listen to some of those conversations man 12 12 conversations a day i mean that, that's I, i'm curious about that i think fans are too it's like you know he has he has it's almost like this baseball i'm a big baseball fan like this baseball um you know the, the lockout we just witnessed like the the commissioner works for the owners the players tony clark the head of the uh, mobpa works for the players like you represent showtime you know al represents his fighters so i'm sure like every conversation isn't you know peaches and cream i'm sure there's a little bit of, of pushback like hey we want we, sure. we want we want better uh matchups we want this guy to fight this guy i know because you have to you know for your yeah. audience for your audience right? absolutely you know and there have been times they've been servicing multiple networks um you know, we want all the good fights. Other networks want, you know, good fights too. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's, you know, specific fighters or, you know, there, there is uh, like in any business relationship, there's, there's a back and forth yeah. um, and there are objectives. There are things that he wants to get done. There are things that I want to get done. A lot of times those are the same things, but often they're not. Yeah. That's interesting. That's a nice uh, way to put it, but uh, I'm sure there were some, a lot of conversations. Wow. About this uh, Charlo Munguia. I would, I would uh, label it as a debacle. I would label it as a, uh, for you, it is probably gave a, some, some late nights, but um, you know, I'll try to keep it real. Like I was a little disappointed to see Charlo uh, and, and, and Sulecki. I don't think it could end up being a great fight. I mean, that's why they fight the fights. I think we've learned that, but you know, to go from, Oh wow, we're going to get Charlo Munguia. It's going to, that's an, a can't miss fight or maybe Charlo versus uh, you know, an Adamas or Charlo versus uh, a Laura. How did it settle on Sulecki? Well, you know, the the reality is it's it's trying to get the best available fight that, that we can, you know, and for Jamal, um, there's the waiting game and, you know, wanted to be in, in the, uh, you know, in the Canelo discussions and he certainly was and then Canelo went a different way and then uh, it seemed like we were able to come in with a, with a good save with Munguia. And then, you know, the question then, as soon as it became apparent that Munguia um, was looking like it was remote possibility, then you literally take out the top 10 rankings, you know, um, you know, I, I like to look at it at transnational boxing ratings board, yeah, they're um, good. you know, just because, you know, it's sort of the power, the, the, the wisdom of the crowd, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, and, you know, and looking there and saying, okay, well, let's see, this is the consensus on, you know, top 10 fighters who else on this list is available and willing to take the fight. Um, 
you know, and Selecki uh, admittedly isn't the sexiest name, um, you know, but he's a, a solid, solid veteran, um, having gone, you know, the distance, uh, you know, distance with the, the best in the division mm-hmm. um, already. So I, I think he is, you know, is it going to generate as much excitement as some of the other ones? You know, probably not. Is it a, a perfectly credible fight and in a, in a good matchup against, of, of you know, one of the top guys in the division versus another top, you know, probably seven or eight guy in the division? You know, that's exactly what it is. So I, I get it. Fans were very excited about either Canelo or Munguia. Um, but objectively, that's a, a good, credible fight for him. I, I do feel for Jamal. I do. Uh, you know, when, when it came out that, that Munguia and Jamal both agreed to terms, and I'm glad you pointed that out on the, uh, on the Zoom call, and I'm, and I'm glad that leaked out too, is because it's very rarely the fighters that, that don't want to fight. You know, they're not ducking. They are, these guys fight for a living. They, they want the smoke, especially Jamal Charlo, a guy who's in his you know, early 30s, you know, going from almost getting a, a Canelo fight. So let me go for my second best option is Munguia. So hopefully that can be reconsidered. Uh, hopefully that can be revisited, I should say. Uh, for the, the second half of, of 2021. But, you know, was Lara floated? Was Adamas floated? Those are a lot of the names that were being uh, pushed to me on, on social media. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, uh, I don't, um, you know, Laura, not, not really, uh, to be completely honest. Um, uh, you know, that was not a name that, that came up. You know, he's a, a lesser active guy, you know, still a really skilled guy, but that was, that was not someone who came up. Mm-hmm. Um, Adamus was, uh, you know, was a possibility, um, you know, and there's some question about his, um, you know, what timetable he would be ready on, uh, among other things. And, you know, at, at a certain point, um, you know, you just sort of, you, you go into, a, you know, this has been such sort of a, a painful process um, that, you know, we wanted something, you know, to lock something in and be able to announce it. So yeah. that was the, the quickest, most credible fight that, that we could make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've known, I, I've said it publicly many times, I'm not a huge fan about um, talking about negotiations and giving minute day by day, um, you know, and saying, look, you know, tomorrow this or next week that, or, you know, we're working on this. Um, I think this was an exception, you know, for one specific reason. Um, you know, Charlo is, and both Charlos are polarizing characters. They're, um, you know, very talented fighters. Um, they're big personalities, and they generate a, a fair amount of criticism, you know, a fair amount of support as well. But you know, they have strong reactions, and I think uh, sometimes, you know, fans are uh, see a fight, um, and it's not the the one that they wanted. And they assume that nothing's happening behind the scenes to make those things happen. Right. Here, you you literally could not have asked you know Charlo and TGB and PBC to have done anything more than what they did. You know, they chased you know one of the best guys, if not the best guy in the sport. Um, didn't go their way. Then they went to you know another top five guy in their uh, you know in the in the division mm-hmm. um, and you know, it really felt like we all bent over backwards. It was a very generous offer. It would have been, um, you know, I believe that, that Magia would have made a multiple of the highest purse that he had made before. And he would have gotten a full world title shot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think we did everything right. We even, you know, came up with a solution for the competing 
platforms and you know yeah. a situation where you know in a second fight you know that could go to the platform of Munguia's choice mm -hmm. um but it just it 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 wasn't enough so you know i think you know all in all i'm i'm completely happy with select you know we did everything we can to get um guys who are higher up um in the rankings mm -hmm. uh, but it didn't happen you know and he's he's solidly a top 10 guy in the division i think we'll, we'll give him a good credible fight i mean he's a guy who is only got two losses, both by decision, one to Jacobs, one to Andre. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, you know, that's a good, credible, solid resume. Yeah, well, if it means anything, the, the court of public opinion it, uh, certainly has taken one side, uh, and that's it's, it's Jerkai's side, and, uh, you know, stuff is leaking out, and it's no secret that uh, Jaime Munguia has a lot of cooks in the kitchen when it comes to uh, decision makers. And that's well, the one thing I always say. It's like, I, I think we're living in the golden era of watching fights. We're, we have so much access. We got four different platforms. We got fights streamed, great streams that you could, that are, uh, you know, that you have to pay for around the world. But sometimes those, you know, exclusivity, these networks are tied to fighters. It's a gift and a curse. And it, it reared its ugly head this time. And uh, I think fans will know that Showtime and TGB, like you said, and, and Jamal uh, tried. They tried very tried, mm -hmm. but very hard. And it could be it could be uh, a fight that we can see in the second half. All right, let's get to the fan mm -hmm. questions. Fun stuff. Jimmy Our thing, one of my favorite followers on, on Twitter, was Mayweather signing for you with Showtime the single most satisfying moment of your career? Um, it. it it was it was certainly up there. Um, I, I would say probably not surprisingly, actually seeing Mayweather Pacquiao come to fruition mm -hmm. itself, um, because that that was one that you know through my career I was uh, involved with in all the various iterations when I was uh, outside counsel to Golden Boy um, in the original top rank negotiations way back in two thousand eight two thousand nine, um, you know drafting the term sheet you know, and being in the middle of that negotiation and knowing how close we came in 2009 to that happening. And then, you know, getting to, you know, making a career transition and then being able to be part of bringing that to fruition, you know, years later in 2015. Um, I think just because as a fan, you know, I was being tortured like everyone else was being tortured. <laughs> but professionally, you know, I spent a lot of time on it you know, and come close on multiple times. So to finally bring it home, I'd, I'd say that was the most satisfying thing. Yeah, that was cool. That was a big moment. I mean, uh, you know, Showtime has a long history of these superstars coming over to Showtime, uh, you know, at the second half of, of their career, whether it was Tyson Holyfield uh, and Mayweather was another one. I think it was what, 2013, he made that jump. I think it was after the Cotto yeah, fight. Absolutely. Yeah, Cotto look, fight was the last one. Yeah, and, and there was, uh, it, it was tremendously satisfying because I, you know, if you remember, um, in retrospect, everyone was like, oh yeah, obvious thing, you know, obviously a great thing for the network. That was not, that was not sort of the reaction at the time that we signed the deal. There was a lot of negativity. Yeah. There was a lot of criticism and saying, look, you know, what the hell is Showtime doing this for? This is silly. He's not going to fight that often. He doesn't mm -hmm. have much left in the tank. Um, this is desperation. This is not going to end well. Um, could not have worked out better for him. <laughs> I would say so. Uh, yeah, he went on quite a run after those two Madonna fights. I mean, were, were, were epic. And then obviously, 
McGregor. Jeez, talk about another yep. one. Uh, let's go to uh, at Homer, another one of my uh, favorite follows. I don't know how he has this handle. It's just Homer. Uh, how does <laughs> someone make a transition from law practice into boxing or the TV space or any advice for someone currently outside the boxing business interested in getting involved? Um, look, uh, for me, the transition was sort of being um, t- tangentially involved. It, 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 the advice I would say, and it would sort of was not that I was looking to transition over to boxing, um, but the lessons I take away from it is, you know, if you're not exactly where you want to be, I think your job is to use your current situation and your current opportunities to the biggest uh, extent that you can to get where you want to be. So I'm, I'm an entertainment attorney, you know, and most of my work was film and TV, you know, actors, writers, directors. Um, but I had, uh, you know, again, through happenstance, you know, I was representing both De La Hoya and Tyson as their lawyers. Um, and it put me in a position to, because I knew the TV business and I knew the boxing business, um, you know, thankfully there were some creative people at, at Showtime who were willing to take a risk on someone who had never worked at a TV network before. Yeah. Um, but it was because I had utilized the opportunities I had to sort of be able to make a case for different opportunities. So it's sort of like, no, I'm not a sports attorney. No, I'm not a TV programmer, but I have exposed myself to the boxing business. I've exposed myself to the business of cable television. And then when I get into the room with someone, I can at least make a pitch and say, look, I haven't done exactly this, but look at all this other stuff I've done, which has prepared me to do this. How long have you been at Showtime? Is it over 10 years? Um, it's almost exactly. Uh, I just passed my my 10 year anniversary. Wow. It was 10 years in November. Congrats. It's been it's almost flew by. I feel like uh, everything is just kind of flying by. But yeah, I, I, that was a big shakeup when when we, that headline came through and uh must be interesting to be Oscar's former lawyer. And now, you know, for instance, this Mungia thing, that's got to be a nice little added wrinkle, right? Uh, yeah, it's look, it's um, the business is incestuous. Like, you know, you, you know, people move to different sides and, yep. and um, it, it's a small business. So look, I, I have nothing respect for those guys. Um, you, you know, what, what Oscar and Richard and Eric and others built uh, with Golden Boy um, was, was a, uh, was was really incredible to watch. Yeah, they're I like Golden Boy. They put good fights together and and for the for the whole. I mean, they, they do a good job with that. AFC Steven says, uh, "What do you think of Conor McGregor these days, your buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Can you go uh, one day without?" Oh God, you're just connected to him. They're just looking. They're just fishing for. Um, <laughs> look, uh, he is a a tremendous personality. Yeah. Um, you know, and and, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it there um, because. <laughs> Uh, the reality, um, you know, look, okay, I'll, I'll take the bait. Um, there we go. Uh, you know, there's, there's a narrative. Um, look, one thing that the, the UFC does better than boxing is they have one cohesive message, you know, because they have one large group. So mm-hmm. there's the same message from the same people all the time. And their narrative is, okay, you always get the best fighting the best. I, that's not do true. Though? Do they though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, if you're paying attention and thinking critically and rationally, no. Um, 
you know, it's not the best fighting the best. It, you know, it's the best opportunity fighting the best opportunity for the UFC. So, you know, if it was the best fighting the best, then Conor McGregor would no longer be getting title shots, you know, because he's not. He hasn't proven to be the best and he hasn't defended his titles successfully. You know, he's not a guy who should be top of the list, but he is a guy who's top of the list in terms of salesmanship mm-hmm. and visibility mm-hmm. and, you know, commercial appeal to some extent. And that's why he gets the opportunities. So, you know, he's a great personality. Um, you know, he's, he's got some more mileage left in him and, you know, he, he sells fights. Um, but you'd be hard pressed to defend it and say like, that he's still an elite fighter who is, uh, who is worthy of the opportunities at the, the championship level. Yeah. Um, what is it? One win since 2016? The way I look at the UFC, it's like, uh, it isn't the best versus the best. And, and I, I get upset when I hear that too, but it's like, I'm not the big, I don't follow it very closely, but what I'm seeing is recycled matchups. I'm seeing a lot of recycled Masvidal, Covington. I'm like, didn't we see that already? I, we didn't, but it's just so many of us, the same matchups over and over. I think they're running out of stars. I, I like to, I know, you know yeah. kind of chide uh, my UFC followers that follow me too. I'm like, you know, UFC wishes they had the amount of talent that was in boxing right now. Yeah. I mean, look, Colby Covington is a, is a, is a really good example. Um, you know, he was going to get caught until he came up with a gimmick. Oh, you know, the gimmick didn't make him a better fighter. It, it, you know, in sure, he has gotten better uh, over the years, but his, his fight style isn't significantly different than it was several years ago when he was on the verge of being cut. He just became more sellable. Mm-hmm. So he didn't become better. He became more sellable. <laughs> well, the interesting really... thing with Covington is he, they said that like he had this whole moniker, which probably got him fights, but didn't make him any more money because he didn't, they don't get upside on, on the pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I thought was interesting, but hey, it kept him from not getting cut. And no, it, look, he put food on the table. So, you know, kudos to him. Um, he figured out how the system over there works and it works better for you if you are a big personality. It's not about talent. It's about, you know, commercial appeal. OK, yeah, absolutely. Um, and now that we're a couple of years removed from the McGregor Mayweather lead up being on that stage, I mean, you're always going to be you know, it's just always going to be a thing. It's always going to be a thing for you, but right. like you handled it well. And I think as the further and further we get away from it, it's, it's actually like, it's gotta be funny for you. Right. Uh, yeah. It was, it was even funny at the time, you know, look, um, if you know me personally, that, that isn't in my nature to sort of sit and take it, but um, <laughs> you know, that, that was, look, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, for me personally and, and professionally, like I'm, I, I don't need to be a storyline more than I already was. Like that, it's, it's, it's a, it's a distraction. I don't need to insert myself and become a major player and become a, a Vince McMahon style. And that's all see, that would have happened. Let me see your strut. You got the billionaire yeah, exactly. strut. <laughs> that's yeah. McGregor's. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not going to become, you know, Triple H. Uh, and so we were sort of like, okay, um, you know, weather the storm and continue to do the job. And what a thrill, though. That, yeah. that was a thrill. That was a wild, wild time. I mean, we'll never forget no, look, that. I, I think, you know, I think I can say with confidence, um, I don't think there's going to be another opportunity where I can walk into a stadium of 50,000 people and they're all booing me. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I that's going to happen again. Um, but hey. it was good to experience. Never say never. Jake you know, Paul, Conor right. McGregor. I mean, when is it happening? Jake Paul, Conor McGregor. I there, get, asked, I get asked about it all the time. I'm the boxing guy to my friends. I'm the boxing guy here. When's Jake Paul fighting McGregor? I mean, it's Showtime pay-per-view. Let's go. Look, McGregor, uh, Masvidal, um, you know, the Diaz brothers, you know, look, that, that, 
those are collisions of personalities, which you know would be thrilling. I mean, they're they're interesting fights as well. But with the promotion ability of of, of those guys, um, there would be phenomenal events. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I noticed something. Maybe this was a slippage. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, you said um, during the webinar, um, hopefully Jake Paul uh, is back. Does that mean just hopefully he just fights again, or hopefully he's with Showtime? What's the what's the I would say the contract yeah, he's, status. He's got him. plenty of opportunities. We're 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 talking to him. Um, look, he he he's certainly going to fight again. It, um, you know, maybe with Showtime and maybe with another platform. Um, look, we certainly want to continue doing business with with him. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of suitors. Um, he's got a lot of financial opportunities. Um, you know, and look, if someone is going to come along, um, you know, and write a check, which is you know silly. <laughs> Look, I, you know, we've shown the ability, as painful as it is, that we're going to be disciplined about our deals, and it's got to make sense. So, yeah. if, if people, the the way that we've stayed in this business for 36 years, is, you know, is knowing what our what our business principles are. So, if people are are throwing around silly money, um, you know, we don't need to match that. Now, I'm not saying that's happening with Jake, or, you know, the the money that Jake makes are silly. It's, yeah. you know, that would be the, the circumstance in which, you know, we wouldn't continue with Jake is, well, if, you know, he just got an offer somewhere else that didn't make sense for us to match. Oh, so he's not like contractually obligated? Correct. Okay, that's cool. I mean, we've seen so many of these, these apps and stuff come out of nowhere. I feel like boxing fans are like, whether it's Famio or like some like these ones that are just like, where are these coming from? I mean, there's so many over the years. So I would not be surprised if Jake Paul got thrown in a ridiculous bag to fight. Uh, I love. I thought it was a savvy move getting him on 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 Showtime. Uh, okay, final question. This is a fan question from me. Okay, are you are you Javon Bay on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> no, Who is Javon Bay? Uh, you know, look. If, if I had a burner account, I'd like to think that I um, I would run it better and uh, <laughs> a little bit more suspicion free. And I certainly, if if it was me, I wouldn't have the ability to sort of banter back and forth with myself the way I am with uh with with Javon so who well, I've never met or never spoken to by the way but um I, I I do think that's funny I do not have a burner account I think anyone who's followed me for any amount of time should know that like I, I don't really need a burner account because I'm pretty candid okay so you're not Javon Bay and you don't have a burner account this is the two biggest snippets when I cut this interview up that's what that's what's gonna Absolutely. be I will well, say this about Javon Bay the guy uh whoever it is uh is not is a pretty astute uh they know the boxing oh, so. absolutely and they're paying a lot of attention to the landscape and and sort of uh looking strategically at, at what everyone's doing all right, Stephen, I appreciate the time. I'm looking forward to this Showtime rollout. Uh, I love Showtime. I love the whole broadcast team, everyone behind the scenes. Do a phenomenal job. Uh, and I like that Custer said, you're the friend of boxing. I really think that, too. Uh, I think boxing fans, uh, you know, we're lucky to have someone like you that's just passionate uh, about boxing. And I uh, look forward to seeing you at the Barclays Center. Uh, March yeah, absolutely. We didn't get to that. May 28th. I mean, uh, look, uh, I, look, I appreciate the kind words. You know, that's, that's the highest compliment that, that I could ever receive is is for someone you know whether when I'm gone or um, when I'm still here to say look at it I I helped elevate the sport because that's all I'm trying to do and you know like you I'm I'm excited to be back at Barclays Center like it's uh it's a great venue and yeah. they bring out a great crowd.
and they bring on a lot of uh, the weed smoke, the secondhand weed smoke in that, in that arena. Absolutely right. Pungent. I'm going to have to bring like something to block. I got to count those punches. I can't be. Yeah, absolutely. High. And now we're on the verge of legalized cannabis. You know, it's going to be. <laughs> We've seen Al get weed smoke blown in his face last year. <laughs> Al Bernstein from Pete Davidson, which I can't even believe that's right. actually a sentence. So we, we need to keep the, the THC fumes away from Al. So we can, maybe Mora. He, right. he, he might be into that. Uh, DJ Mora back in the day. But I appreciate the time, uh, Mr. Espinosa. And uh, big time boxing coming your way on Showtime. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.